You don't get it, son. This isn't a mud hole. It's an operating table. And I'm the surgeon. in broad daylight. I know why you're afraid to go out at night. The Batman. See, Batman has shown Gotham the true colors. citizens of gotham welcome back to the eternal night podcast a podcast dedicated to the world's greatest detective the dark knight the dark knight of the dc universe the one and only cape crusader batman i am one of your hosts my name is philip barker alongside my all-time great co-host the one and only craig blaylock craig my friend how are you doing Ooh, all-time great i like that i mean i tried thinking of dc comics titles off the top of my head <laughs> and then like halfway through it just brain farted so just be thankful i got something out the world's greatest world's finest world's finest world's finest there we go yeah yeah that's right how there you been go. man how you been good. doing doing good it's been been a long couple weeks but you know we're getting toward the tail end of the week i get the day off tomorrow because of a federal holiday so i'm i'm feeling good we're at the tail end of the year my guy it's you know yeah that's at, friggin insane we're 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 now two weeks away from thanksgiving something like that and just cut like a week and a half out from halloween spooky season is no longer here yep. uh, our last episode we kind of centered around court of owls but a bunch of other stuff surrounding the dc universe but this episode's going to be a little bit different um as i as i just mentioned you know we're we're just a couple weeks out from thanksgiving so uh the theme of this episode is going to be thankfulness to some extent or another i, I don't know it's more or less like the, the the gist of this episode is going to be things in regards to batman's world or elements of batman that craig and i are thankful for obviously batman is a very personal character to both craig and i it's the reason we started this podcast it's the reason we've been friends for such a long time this character just means so much to us and we just would like to give back our thanks in certain regards and certain aspects certain people either whether it be the writers directors colorists artists you know 
just people who've had a hand in crafting Batman over the years that we just want to express our gratitude, gush over, and just be thankful that they exist or have existed. Uh, I don't know, Craig. I don't know what's on your little list. You don't know what's on mine, so I feel like it's just going to be an all-over-the-place kind of conversation. What about you? Yeah, no, I think, so, like, mine, obviously, you know, I don't have as much history with Batman comics as you do. So, you know, I'm not too familiar with illustrators and writers and that kind of stuff. So most of mine are, you know, from the movies, from the animated shows, that kind of stuff. But I think I think we're going to get a good mix. You know, I think I tried to get just kind of check all the boxes. Yeah. I think the only one out that I'm looking at my list, I didn't really touch on music all that much. Yeah. But there are things in that sphere that might come up eventually i'm sure but yeah i mean i'm not i don't try to act like i am some kind of batman expert a lot of people swear up and down that i am i've got a giant bookshelf dedicated to a lot of batman books there's no doubt about that but even then i'm i'm nowhere near the the expert on batman that people make me out to be even though well i I know a lot about the character but you know it's it's just been I mean, to kind of just bring it back to the beginning, you know, he, the character Batman, it's just been there for me since for as long as I can remember, you know, it kind of stems from, you know, the animated series, Batman Forever, or like um, doing coloring books, getting toys, just the character's just been in my, my, my gravitational pull for the longest time. Yeah, I mean, same with me. I mean, going back, given that I'm, you know, the old man out of the group, you know, it goes even further back for me i can recall constantly the thing that played probably the most at my grandma's when i was really young was the batman 66 movie you know all the time it's funny i recently just rewatched that yeah and it is a honking good time yep i don't know why some days you just can't get rid of a bomb some days robin you just can't get rid of a bomb (laughs) (laughs) i mean you know if if there's one thing that you'd have to be thankful for in some respect it's definitely i would say adam west portrayal of the character you know yeah he was you know after robert lowry and and lewis wilson he was really the 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 kind of face of batman in the same way that christopher reeve was the face of superman for such a long time and a lot of people really associated the character of batman with adam west and burt ward as robin Mm -hmm. respectively you know that 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 general cast of people that appeared on that on the on that show you know, Burgess Meredith as the Penguin. You had the three respective actresses, Julie Newmar, Lee Merriweather, and Eartha Kitt playing Catwoman. You had Cesar Romero's Joker. You had Frank Gorshin playing the Riddler. Yep. Like, there were real a lot of iconography and iconic things that were done with that series that made that series such a staple in Batman's time, right? Like, I don't know. Yeah, campy is probably a good word for it to be described as now, but even still, like it, it's, it's, yeah, is it a product of its time? Absolutely. But at the oh, same 100%. time, but at the same time, it's like, you know, that, that show without that show, you don't have, I would, at least to me anyway, without that show, you don't have the cultural zeitgeist popularity that comes with Batman that oh, you yeah. do today. It really does kind of stem from that show to more or less. Yeah. And like how you were naming, you know, those actors and actresses, like, out of all of them, I think the key one for me, obviously Adam West is Batman, but I always, as a little kid, he always managed to make me laugh. I gotta give the shout out to Burgess Meredith as the penguin. Yeah, <laughs> right. I mean, the way 
he even like waddled like a penguin. I mean, just the, yeah, he was always chewing on that that cigarette with the cigarette holder. Right, right, yeah. Just so iconic. I, man, I just I remember as a little kid always laughing every time the penguin came on the screen. Yeah, you know, I always found myself being pretty intrigued by Frank Gorshin as the Riddler. You know, he was He was great. He, he had a great laugh. He had a great laugh. He had a really great persona. He had a really great energy that he brought to that character. He yes. had a, he had he had kind of a a presence, you know, just kind of toying with riddles and being kind of schemey and being yeah. very like not necessarily over the top, but really bringing a, a a humorous aspect to this this ridiculous character. And I I don't mean that disparagingly. The Riddler's arguably one of one of if not next to Deathstroke, probably one of my favorite Batman villains. Like yeah. you know, but at the time. When the character was conceived, you know, it, it's this, it's just a dude in a leotard with question mark all yeah. over him. You know what I mean? So it's just a character like that. You, you think like he's so goofy, yet he's just so intelligent. And honestly, look at it, you know, think about this. Look at Jim Carrey's performance at the, as the Riddler and look at the Riddler in 66. You can definitely tell there was some influence there. Oh, Absolutely. There's, there's not a doubt in my mind that Jim Carrey's version of the Riddler was at least partially influenced by Frank Gorshin's take on the character. There's, there's no question about it, and, and, and I don't mind that at all. I don't like at all. Matter of fact, I thought the the funnest thing about Jim Carrey as the Riddler was just the the different amount of Riddler costumes he got to wear in yeah. such, and in, in what like. You know, he was Edward Nigma for one half of the movie. Yeah. Then in, in the second half of the movie, he's coming into Harvey Dewface's hideout and he's got a bowler cap on. Yep. He's got the Riddler cane. He's got everything. And it's just like, wow, it's like the Riddler stepped off a comic book. Holy shit. My and, personal favorite that I always wanted as a kid, and I was always like, man, I want that. The uh, the robe with the light up question marks. Yes. I always one. wanted that robe. Yes, that one is fun. I don't know why, but I always kind of like the, the the white suit with the green riddles on it. Yeah, yeah, that the, one was fun. The one that you wore at the at the final confrontation. Yes, absolutely. Oh man, I get. I guess that wasn't even on my list, but I guess I can probably yeah. throw it on there. Would be Jim Carrey as the Riddler. Yeah, or even just like just campy Batman. Period. I mean, Batman Forever. That's you know that was the first Batman movie I ever saw as a kid, and really kind of solidified a lot of love i have for the character i mean is it is it kind of a goofy movie yeah is it kind of half dark too yeah is it not quite what you see on batman the animated series yeah yeah <laughs> you could tell the tone of that film from the opening scene you've got you know the bat cave and this very like dark music and then it rises you know you see the batmobile come up and then the first line of the movie can I persuade you to take a sandwich with you, sir? That's, that's one of my favorite lines ever. Yep. Hands I'll down. Get, I'll get drive through. I'll get drive through. So that... right then and there, if you were in the theater and you thought that this was going to be a continuation of the Burton setting, you were kidding yourself. And the ironic part is Tim Burton's name comes up within the opening credits of that movie. Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's the ironic part. Now that Batmobile is pretty dope, too. I always yeah. loved having that Batmobile. I had like a, it was either a Kenner or I don't know exactly what model toy, but it, it was the one that you could take 
and turn the Batmobile into the Batwing and also the Batboat, depending on what piece you had attached to it, or pieces in this case, because you could attach the Batwings to it when it wasn't inside the Batboat or Batmobile slide-in portions. But yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm not going to add that on my list because I don't feel like typing that right now and getting, <laughs> that, getting the typing sound stuck on stuck in the audio. So no, that's <laughs> not going to happen. But I think the first thing on my, you know, my little list here. Um, it kind of stems from the Nolan trilogy just a little bit, but it also just speaks to the broader idea of what Batman stands for, if that makes any sense. Yeah. The, the first thing I really have is in regards to just being thankful for Batman is like just this idea that he is, he's not necessarily a superhero, even though a lot of his power set really derives from super intelligence but just the idea that batman himself really does stand as a symbol to be something greater and to rise above the darkness and evil no matter how traumatic your experience can be yeah and i mean like i said that that's a little derivative of the nolan trilogy to some extent because that was the big theme throughout the majority of that trilogy was that he wanted Batman to be a symbol of hope and of justice and, and, and to combat injustice. Oh, so. I mean, even in the, in the Reeves film, I mean, that's kind yeah, of the journey true. he went through in the, in throughout the entirety of that film. He was consumed by his anger, by his want for vengeance for him wanting to strike fear. And then by the end of that film, he realizes that he has to be something more. Which, I mean, with the Penguin series coming out, there has been a little bit of an update on that. They did mention, and I mean, it was kind of obvious, because they, once they said it was going to take place after the Batman movie, it's like, well, then, obviously, it's going to take place before the events of the second movie. Yep. So, it's going to be interesting to see where Bat Batman and Bruce Wayne's journey goes from the first movie to the second movie, because obviously, stepping out of that vengeance-driven motive and going into a more hopeful, I-need-to-be-better type of mindset is going to obviously have an impact on the second film, and you'd have to wonder who or what could challenge that. Yeah. So, and again, you know, going back to just being that symbol, you know, that that is pretty clear, I would say, through the animated series. I would say you could make, an, you could make a, a debate, I guess, for Batman 89 or even Batman Returns that he is kind of that symbol mm -hmm. to stop evil even though he's kind of going on a killing spree in Batman Returns I mean honestly even in the Snyder films he was oh yeah at, at first that symbol struck fear and people were terrified of it but again as they go into Justice League he realizes he needs to be something else he needs to be the voice of hope well, before we get into my second one, because you just kind of touched on it, <laughs> what's what's your first one? Um, so my first one uh, actually kind of calls back to when we were first just talking about Batman Forever and how there was a certain person that was named. I mean, I've got to give my thanks to Tim Burton. I mm. think the fact that I don't think Batman would be nearly what he is today had it not been for Batman 89. Hmm. You know, I obviously those films are not like my favorite. I wouldn't say they're like in my top favorite Batman movies, 
But the impact those films had on me as a kid, because again, I grew up when in my very early years, it was basically Batman 66 and the, uh, and I still remember the Scooby-Doo episode where they meet Batman and Robin. Yeah. Watch those all the time. And then I remember I was around, I think I was seven or eight and my mom let my uncle show me Batman 89. And I was just enthralled this, you know, think about that you're you've been watching this goofy kind of tongue-in-cheek batman stuff you know he's hanging out with scooby-doo and Mm -hmm. going on little adventures and stuff and then you're watching this gothic got this twisted sense of humor jack nicholson's joker everything about that film i was in thralled as a kid i watched it over and over and over again seeing this Batman that was just such a stark contrast to what I had seen before. And I think really laid the foundation. I think it really made people look at even back then. I mean, think about like where comic book movies are now. They're everywhere. Super comic superhero stuff is the go-to thing for Hollywood and pop culture and entertainment back then. You know, I think Superman was kind of a start. Superman made people kind of go, oh, wow, we can kind of take these things a little bit more seriously. And then Batman 89 comes out and people go, whoa, okay, so this is what we can get out of a comic book movie. Right. So I really think that film set the standard and I have to give credit to Burton for what he did in those films. Do I agree with everything? Nah, wasn't a big fan of the fact that he tied, you know, Joker being Batman's parents murderer. Not very keen on that. It made sense for the movie. Just wasn't my personal preference. But I can't deny that that film just had such a big impact. And for him to even go further with Batman Returns. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know a lot of people hate on that film. I love it again when that came out and it became available on VHS. That thing was playing all the time, all the time in my video, in my uh, TV at home. I couldn't get enough of it. Catwoman, the penguin, Batman lighting dudes on fire with the exhaust from the Batmobile. I mean, and that, and that's the funny thing. Like, when I think back to my days of watching Batman, you know, it's really coupled with 66, the animated series, Batman Beyond, and then, of course, as you mentioned, Scooby-Doo, Where Are You?, the episode where they meet Batman and Robin. And then, you know, I remember the first time I watched 89, I was a little older, but obviously it had already been on VHS by that point, and Mm -hmm. I distinctly remember the Diet Coke commercial with Michael Goff. I remember that. That's always been great. But for me... It's funny because when it, when I think about the two Burton films, the, the real sticking point for me of which one I like more, and it really does boil down to just one creative choice, and it's, as you mentioned, the Joker being the murderer of the Waynes. And, I, yep. and that, that, to me, ever since I was such a, a, a kid, ever since I was just, you know, three feet tall, whatever, like, when I watched that for the first time, I just... I. I shook my head and I was like, Joker never killed Batman's parents. Uh-huh. What is this? Yeah. And so I'd always want to watch Batman Returns over it because at that point, it's not so much as I just kind of ignored Batman 89. It's just, I, it's like, I didn't just want to watch that movie. Granted, you know, Nicholson's great as the Joker. Sure. Uh-huh. But I've just never been a fan of that creative decision whatsoever. Yeah. And so 
when it comes to returns, you know, there are a lot of people who despise returns. They think it's like the most awful Burton Batman film of the two. And I'm just like, I don't get it. I, I, mm. I really don't like it's, it's a fun, wacky movie. You can, you tell it's all shot in a soundstage. Sure. Yeah. But, but you're going to sit here and tell me with a straight face that Danny DeVito and penguin makeup and outfit getting in a giant duck. <laughs> yeah. Isn't great. Yeah. All right. Okay. I guess you might not like having fun. All right. It's one of my favorite Christmas movies. That's for damn sure. And again, very similar to like how we were talking earlier, how that opening line of dialogue sets the tone for Batman forever. I distinctly remember the very, very first time I watched Batman Returns. Uh, I didn't go see it in theaters. Uh, I don't think my parents wanted to take me to the theater to see it. But I, I remember, you know, you know, it's yeah. funny, like if you, if your parents would have taken you to see that movie, I mean, yeah. I, I would have been more curious what their reactions yeah. would have been as opposed yeah. to yours. Yeah. Um, but say so same thing, like, you know, the opening minutes of Batman Returns, you've got, you know, the family, the Cobblepot family. And then, you know, they see the baby that you don't get to see what the baby looks like. But they put the baby in this like crate. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And then a cat walks by, and he yanks the cat into the crate and just eats it or kills it or something. You don't know. And you then just know the cat goes in there, and the cat does not come back out. Right. And then the parents even look back, and then they look yeah. out the window again. They're like, damn it, what do we do now? <laughs> and that right there, again, if that does not set the tone for you to go, oh, okay, so Burton's going to go even wackier. He's going to go even more nuts than he did in the first one. Oh, dude, he... <laughs> I think the phrase that I've heard most often is Burton went full Burton, and I'm yes. totally fine with that. And I'm sorry, you got Christopher Walken in there, too. Yes, I know he's Max Shrek, but come on, it's Christopher Walken. It's I... just, it's Christopher Walken playing Christopher Walken. Do you hear me complaining? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you need to come on how can you hate christopher walken in a batman movie yeah i love uh, what my fate one of my favorite lines in that film is when uh catwoman rips her you know her um, mask comes off and um shrek sees who it is it's mm-hmm. selena you're fired I was like, of course. And then that would and be then, the thing he would say. And then he, he looks just, over and he's like, Bruce Wayne, what are you doing yeah. dressed up as Batman? <laughs> and and Michelle Pfeiffer's delivery of he is Batman, <laughs> yeah. you moron. I, I how can you yeah. not how can you how can you not? Like that, yeah. that that perfect. Absolutely perfect. And you got the actor who played Zangief in the Street Fighter movie as Christopher Walken's son, who somehow <laughs> Who somehow is even more Christopher Walken than Chris? He looks like a young Christopher Walken. It's freaky. It's Freaky Friday. Not really, but I didn't it's... realize that until the last. I think I watched the movie a couple of years ago, and I looked at the cast list, and I looked at the guy who played his son, and I click on the name, and I'm like, wait a minute, that's Zangi from the Street Fighter movie. <laughs> One of like the that was another movie as goofy as it is, man. The Street Fighter '90s movie that played all the time in my VHS at home. Isn't that the one with John Claude Van Damme as uh, Yep as guy? Yep, 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 yep. Okay, bells I'm are ringing. Going to kick. 
that son of a bitch bison's ass so hard. <laughs> uh, Dad, save yourself. Dad, go. <laughs> yeah. Dude, the, that actor, he has, I'm. it's one of my all-time favorite scenes in I think any film I've ever seen was in that 90s Street Fighter movie. So Chun-Li sets like uh, M. Bison and Zangief and all the villains are in this tent mm-hmm. and they're looking at this recording of Chun-Li mm-hmm. and she's like, oh, I have a surprise for you boys. It's on the way. And she shows them like a truck full of dynamite and she hits the drive and sends it off. <laughs> and the camera goes, they're all looking at the TV and they all look outside and the truck is getting closer. They all look at the TV. They all look outside. The truck's getting closer. They look at the TV again. Zangief goes, quick, change the channel. <laughs> and all the villains do a slow turn and look at him. Cracks me up every time. So, like, I can't help when I see that actor in Batman Returns. I just want him to look at Christopher Walken and go, Dad, change the channel. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny oh, that, that's man. hilarious i don't know why but i'm having flashbacks to the last street fighter movie that i saw uh which one was uh was that that horrible like legend of chun Li movie yeah that's the exact Oof. one yeah i saw it in like 2007 2008 or whatever when it debuted Yeesh. me and my f- best friend from high school middle school kindergarten we're we we love Street Fighter. We love playing Street yep. Fighter games. That's that's always just been one of our things, right? And I think Street Fighter Four had just come out. Yeah. So it might have been like two thousand eight. That sounds about right. Anyway, we go to see Rise of Chun Li. I remember walking out of it just being like, that wasn't a very good Street Fighter <laughs> adaptation. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't it was M Bison wasn't even like a warlord. He was like a real estate businessman. Wasn't yeah, he? <laughs> and it was. And, and, you know, granted, it was, uh, oh, damn it, what's the actor's name? Uh, uh, Neil McDonough, like, great yeah. actor, right? Like, there mm-hmm. was a lot of great talent in that movie. They were just utterly freaking wasted. Like, yeah. just wasted in these just really awful ad- adapt- adapted roles of, the, of this movie. It was, just, it was just bad. It was just all around bad. Just bad. Not, not, <laughs> not uh, probably worse than Batman and Robin, but, you know. It's funny how many bad movies have come out that somehow managed to make Batman and Robin look better than it is. Oh, yeah. Because at least the thing is you can have fun with Batman and Robin. There are some movies that are so bad that you can't you can't have fun with it. Thor, Love and Thunder. I, you know, I was waiting for it. I was, I was just <laughs> waiting for it, and uh, that's why I didn't say anything, and I took a yep. sip of my tea. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, you're right. But you know what movies I do have fun with? What's that? Movies made by Zack Snyder. There we go. I knew I knew that name was going to come up. I mean, come on. Cue we, the fanboy haters. Come on. Yep. We stand the Snyder Cut on this podcast. Yep. There's, there's, there's no question about that. Now, I'm sure there's a lot of people who would vehemently disagree, who would go to bat against Zack Snyder for what the atrocities he committed against Batman. Okay, whatever. That's fine. That's your perspective and opinion whatever he killed jimmy olsen <laughs> i hate that argument so much uh. <laughs> I, I i hate it i really do hate that argument because because people are so quick to just be like oh man he killed jimmy olsen then they completely forget to look at the context of the film and completely forget the fact that he's on his knees and he goes i'm with the fbi mm-hmm. i'm the cia da, 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 da. and it's like oh okay 
Well, Jimmy Olsen's obviously not his real name. Oh, but he's credited as Jimmy Olsen in the movie. <laughs> yep. So context matters. Context really matters. Anyway, besides the point that Zack Snyder killed Jimmy Olsen, got a little <laughs> Jimmy on a shoe. Anyway, <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, if there was one director that that brought, in some regard, what my ideal version of Batman, at least visually speaking, looks like on screen, uh-huh. it's 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 Zack Snyder, like in Ben Affleck, like what they did with Batman versus Superman and then respectively with Zack Snyder's Justice League like seeing seeing Batman in in a suit that wasn't black and armored for the first time where it's like legit he's got a gray suit a black bat the, yep. the ears aren't too big they're kind of small but I don't care I actually kind of prefer that and he's got the gauntlets he's got the boots he's got the Batmobile he's got a Batcave he's got Alfred he's got a freaking Robin costume memorial in his Batcave yep. Like this is this is Batman from the comics. Look, if people think Michael Keaton's Batman is from the comics, yeah, you could probably point to a few comics and be like, yeah, that's Michael Keaton's Batman. If uh-huh. you want to look at Batman Noel and look at you know other stuff that Lee Bermejo's done and go, yeah, that's Christian Bale's Batman. Okay, I get you for sure. But when I think of Batman drawn by like Jim Lee drawn by like neil adams drawn by like greg capullo or even to some extent like norm brayfogle and then i look at ben affleck's batman i'm like yeah that's right off the page chief like that that's it that's batman when 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 Zack snyder first shared that picture that very first picture of ben affleck as batman i I, I, I lost my shit. I lost I remember my... when you sent me the photo. <laughs> yeah, I lost my collective shit. I was like, holy f***, it's Batman. Yep. Holy shit, this is the Batman I've been waiting to see in a movie yep. since I could talk. Oh my god, I'm getting Batman meeting Superman. Holy shit, my life is complete. No, seriously. What Zack Snyder did, it wasn't just the fact that he brought Batman to life in the way that he did with Ben Affleck's version of the character, he brought Batman to meet Superman. And I was mm-hmm. like, I've been wanting this my whole since my whole damn childhood. I'm so happy right now. Oh my yeah. God. You know? And I'm sorry, it, as much as people hate on the film, it, it is still probably my favorite standalone superhero film. He gave me Man of Steel. He gave, similar to what he did with you with Batman, and I agree with pretty much everything you're saying he gave me a version of superman that i did not know i wanted oh for sure i didn't know that having this kind of take on a superman who is fairly new at what he's doing you know he's not this you know boy scout yet he's figuring out who he is he's trying to see can i live among these people and keep them safe from the very beans that were supposed to be my people. You want a hot take? Yeah. I am not a fan of the Boy Scout Truth Justice American Way Superman. No, me too. I can't I, stand it. I, it's not even so much as I can't stand it. It's just, it's so out of date. Specifically, the, the, the Truth Justice American Way part of it. Because, yeah. well, America. Yeah. <laughs> Enough said there. But... Really, like the the whole G Gaw Wilker Jimmy, I don't know where where my glasses are type type of nonsense. Like it, it's it's just so out of date now, 
and I I don't know I don't really know what what way to pin it but I'm just I'm just not a fan of of Clark Kent being kind of a bumbling idiot to uh-huh. to just mask himself as you know to make people not think he's Superman like that's just such <coughs> did it work back in 78 with Reeves yeah absolutely there's no denying that whatsoever but like it's it's just I don't know dude I I that version of Superman is just so out of my purview and I think you could attribute that to more or less Superman the animated series but then also yep. the Fleischer Studios cartoons because he's not he's not like the American hero there he's literally just for world and the world peace and he does yep. things to just be a good guy it's not about being a boy scout it's about being a decent person yep. you know and when you get to Man of Steel, specifically, like, it's not even so much as it's so removed from the Boy Scout aspect. It's 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 literally, the, I think what really works for it in its favor, and people can argue this ten ways to Sunday, whatever, but it's the idea of what if someone really came from another planet, they managed to look like us, but once they get to our planet, they have the power to do these incredible things and what are the consequences that come with being able to have that power and i feel like it's it's addressed pretty tastefully throughout the entirety of the film yeah but that's that's just me my guy well and again too that film i and i know it's probably one of the most divisive moments in that film i absolutely adore that scene towards the end where he snaps the neck you know the next step the famous next step yeah Yeah. the moment that everyone said that Zack snyder had ruined superman i sat there and went that took balls (laughs) and you've got this situation where he is just he's facing i'm literally fighting the only person left from my world right right and he is has just straight up told me he is never going to stop making this planet suffer. And I either have to continue, like I either have to deal with the consequence of if I let him go and we just continue this battle, more and more people are going to die or I kill him. And he made the choice and he snaps Zod's neck. And I just thought it was such an impactful and powerful moment. And I adore Snyder for taking that leap. Well, all, well, people like to attribute Batman and Superman to these these no kill, super perfect heroes, uh, and it, yeah. and it's like, look, Batman has the rule. Sure, there's no denying that it's been written into his continuity in later years. Superman, on the other hand, he will if he has to. Mm-hmm. I've seen it done. Yeah, there's no denying that, right? And the fact that they 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 that Snyder, Nolan, even Christopher Nolan, gave him like you know no, but then turned around and went yes. Yeah. Right. Like he, he, at first, it's on record. Like he, at first, he was like, "No, you probably shouldn't do that." But then he was like, "You know what? Go ahead, go yeah. for it." And it's like, yeah, why not? Like, why not show the consequences of your actions? Like, yeah, you had you had to kill him to stop him from murdering a bunch of other people. Absolutely. But at the same time, like, there is a literal consequences with taking another life, whether it's human or Kryptonian, whatever. Yep. It's like that's gonna stick with him. For the mm-hmm. rest of his life. Right? Yep. And I mean, even, you know, people can say, like, well, the Nolan Batman didn't kill him. Eh, okay, come on. The, the whole scene. Well, that's just it right there. <laughs> that's just it. 
Nolan's Batman. We're not talking yeah. about Nolan's exactly. Batman. We're talking yep. about Superman. Yep. And that's and that it, it it's it just it doesn't drive me up a wall, but now I just kind of laugh at it because people make these really inane comparisons like like oh you know captain america doesn't kill and it's like uh what uh, he sure as hell does <laughs> i'm sorry what happens in the first avenger how many people did he kill yeah. how many how many guns did he point at so many other germans like all yeah. right whatever i guess we didn't watch the same movie but okay sure but no like i, I again like if i'm thankful for anything i'm absolutely thankful Zack snyder got a crack at batman absolutely and he, he and to even just kind of take that one step further, he basically did the Dark Knight Returns. He really did. <laughs> yeah. And and I was watching clips of that movie today, and there is just something so special and earnest about the way uh, Peter Weller plays Batman. But mm-hmm. at the same time, like you know, even if you even read the book, like that version of Batman is just so far gone and removed from this silver age hi ho robin we're gonna do the right thing the right way he's pissed he's he's fed up it's like circa alternate 1986 ronald reagan is still president Mm -hmm. go figure but like using superman as a weapon of the united states exactly exactly right like who's who's the real fascist there at that point batman or superman right so it's 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 just this really interesting mix of just you turn batman on his head you grow him up you make him old you make him bitter you make him jaded you make him just so fed the f up with everything where he's if he's gonna go out and take out criminals oh no he's not just gonna take out criminals Mm -hmm. he's going to make them suffer and he doesn't care and it's glorious i'm sure there are a lot of people who are like you know I like Batman when he when he's real controlled and when he's like real focused and when he just takes dudes out with you know little to no mercy. I'm like, no, to hell with that. If Batman's gonna mm-hmm. go beat the shit out of criminals, he needs to beat the shit out of those criminals. If Batman's gonna go out and like cause some harm, let him cause harm. Who cares? Those people are out there making their choice to do bad things. Well, guess what? You're in Gotham City. Who runs Gotham City? Batman. You know uh-huh. what happens when you break the law around Batman's pers- in, 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 in Batman's light of sight? Guess what? You get justice, and it's not it's swift. It's gonna hurt. You might get a battering in your face, and guess what? Batman shouldn't care. But that's just me. Well, I mean, since we're talking about it, that was actually gonna be one of my things that I'm thankful for is that in the realm of Batman, I am super thankful for the fact that they let Peter Weller do the voice of that version of Batman. Oh, okay. You have just this commanding, booming voice throughout these two animated movies. I just, I was in love with that interpretation of Batman. I loved the fact that, like we were saying, he doesn't care anymore. He's fed up. He's done with the criminal element in Gotham City, and he's going to make them pay. I think some of my favorite moments in that, in both parts, or if you have the deluxe edition, you can watch the whole thing as one big epic. Like, yeah. you know, obviously when he decides to put, put the, put the suit back on, like there's that scene where the bat crashes through and it plays this really heavy guitar riff. Like, yeah, I love that, but I love his first night back out because 
first he takes out some like serial killer rapist something to that effect who goes after this innocent woman and all you see is just his big gauntlet break (laughs) through a door right (laughs) he just grabs this cat and drags him and then you see the blood trail go back and then he takes out a pimp in a taxi cab breaks his hand by stepping on it when he pulls the gun out then he has the balls to just take the dude's money and throw it and break it up because the pimp gives money to the cab driver to basically be like yeah just just Mind shut your mouth and drive, and let, right? Let me yeah. do what I'm doing. Right. So then Batman beats the crap out of the pimp, and then the cab driver's sit, sitting there, like, dumbfounded as to what he just saw. And then you don't they don't even show Batman's face. You just see his arm come down, mm-hmm. grab the cash, you hear it shred, and then all the money comes falling down, and the cab driver's like, yeah, I, I deserve that. And then finally, like when he when he saves Carrie Kelly and her friend from that broken down amusement park or arcade or whatever, yeah, from the mutant kids, right? Like he 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 grabs one of them with you know a bat rope, like or a batarang rope, right? And he just starts beating the shit out of him. Mm-hmm. And then the other goon like fires a gun at him, and Batman just goes one two, picks dude up and throws him into an electrical sign. <laughs> yeah. And he just, he, he doesn't even, fa- it doesn't even phase him. He just looks back at Carrie Kelly and then turns back around and dips. Oh, it's so glorious. Yeah, and I just, that voice, I, I, I think I mentioned this before when we've talked about this movie. Man, we have to do a commentary on that film at some oh, point. It's it's on the docket. Yeah. <laughs> Bet your ass. Uh, <laughs> but like, the fact that I got, because the fact that I got RoboCop, doing the voice of, of batman, batman right just makes my inner child so happy because while a lot of kids grew up you know with care bears and all that kind of stuff i was watching robocop mm-hmm. i was like seven eight years old watching robocop that movie is ingrained in my mind i know every scene every line so to find out that that voice was going to be the voice of a aged fed up and angry batman hell yes well i mean that whole voice cast is pretty stacked that was fantastic like david selby's the voice of commissioner gordon uh michael emerson voices the joker at the very tail end of very underrated joker voice one of the most underrated joker voices then you've got i believe wade williams is the voice of two-face harvey dent um is it ariel winter i think is carrie kelly think that's right i could be wrong about that because i'm not looking at anything at the moment on my phone or i'm on on the computer screen because i honestly didn't i i honestly didn't know what to expect with this conversation but yeah, yeah like like the, the voice cast of this movie is just absolutely exceptional from start to finish and to the to your point like peter weller just brings this just just awesome sense of you know bitterness and just rugged version of batman who's just been through the ringer and just fed the f up right yeah it's it's just glorious like if if i could describe his portrayal as batman in one word it's glorious well and it's still and i know i've mentioned this before in the podcast but that line man it just it gets me every time when he's having his final confrontation with the joker and they're in the tunnel of love and he you know beats the crap out of the joker a little bit throws him and then jumps over grabs him and just goes no more and then throws him against the wall that's just 
that Batman is done. He's had it with the Joker, and he's going to end it tonight. Mm-hmm. Or even, like, just the Joker's clap back at him, right? Like, <laughs> Batman goes, you know, all the people I've murdered by letting you live, and the yeah. Joker goes, I know, and I love you for it. <laughs> yeah, oh, no, yeah, because he said the number of people that I've, or that have been murdered by letting you live, and uh, Joker goes, I never kept count, I did, and that's, and I love you for it. Right, right. <laughs> and then, like, you know, he pulls the knife out from underneath his 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 wrist, right? And then, you know, they're kind of going at it. And then Joker's, like, on top of Batman. He's like, oh, don't tell me you're going to fall asleep. You really yeah. have gotten old, haven't you? It's like, he's so... There's, there's this really exotic relationship going on between Batman and the Joker in that movie up to that point, or even just in that book in general. Like, it, it's been perceived as like the joker having kind of like a a, a homosexual attraction to bat to batman to some extent it kind of mm -hmm. is portrayed that way in, in some small sense but i do think that if you look at their relationship through the years and through li literally the medium the across the multiple mediums of where of how they're portrayed joker is really that obsessed with batman almost on a romantic level yeah and I actually do admire the way that it was done, both in the book and in that movie. And, I mean, come on. The final fight between Superman and Batman. I, I mean... Good is, lord. Is, is, there an, <laughs> is there a better fight? Yeah. I mean, holy crap. Well, Zack Snyder came pretty close. He came close. He came real close. But he, he didn't come to the point of Batman grabbing, what was it, the tires of, like, a... Steamroller. Kind of yeah, steamroller, smashing them together, basically turning them into boxing gloves and using them to punch Superman. Yeah, that was great. That was pretty fantastic. Not going to lie. Using the entire electrical grid of Gotham City to electrocute Superman. Yeah. And he gives him that speech of, like, you know, you say you answer some sort of authority. They only want me dead because I'm an embarrassment. Yep. <laughs> What and I love, I love. It. Come on, Bruce. If it's not me, it's someone else. Really, who do they, who send, do they after send after you? you? Right. <laughs> and in my mind, I'm thinking Shazam. Yeah. For real. <laughs> but no, seriously, like, like that fight is is hands down like one of the most iconic beat 'em up, fist drenched. Just man, that fight is just awesome the musical score in the background while they battle just everything about it is fantastic right, right right exactly it's just there's there's literally no other fight like it i mean you there are probably people who would say the one in hush comes close i i'm not one of those people i think the yeah. one in, i think the one in hush is a little quicker but i do think that the dialogue in in the battle in hush is is pretty spot on because batman's having an internal monologue and he's like you know deep down clark's a good person and deep down i'm not and then it just shows the panel <laughs> yeah. it just shows the panel of batman just punching the shit at a at a at a superman and you just see superman's face just like uh. <laughs> it's great absolutely fantastic well and that fight at the end of the dark knight returns gives you that that amazing quote i wanted you to remember clark in all the years to come in your most private moments i want you to remember I was the man who beat you. The one man who the beat one man. you. Right. Uh, and I, th I think that kind of dovetails into one of my other ones. Like, more or less, you know, there's there's, there's Peter Weller, right? But then mm -hmm. also, 
you just look at Batman across a ton of different mediums. Like the, the idea that this character has survived the test of time. And I would say that's in part due to just so many different incarnations of the character existing, whether it's a comic book version written by, you know, whoever your preferential writer or artists are, or you have like animated versions, be it the animated series or even the standalone animated movies. More often than not, the animated movies, he's voiced by Kevin Conroy, of course, who left his own personal stamp on yep. Batman, right? Or even like, you know, Peter Weller, Bruce Greenwood, uh, Jensen Ackles more recently, or Jason O'Mara. It's just, it's endless. It's absolutely endless to think of what different mediums Batman has just been present in after all these years. Yep. I mean, hell, there's Batman podcasts, not just like podcasts like us, but like storyline-driven Batman podcasts. Very true. Very true. There's even this one character on Max, yeah. has, has managed to stay relevant for so long and continues to evolve, and we continue to see new interpretations of it which is part of the reason why I get so frustrated when someone says like, oh, so-and-so ruined Batman. Okay, you didn't like that interpretation of Batman. There are so many interpretations that you can enjoy. Right, right. You know, if you don't like one, go like the other. Yeah. But by that same point, don't... It, this isn't directed at anyone in particular, but I know some <laughs> people are going to have a fit. Don't sit online and bitch and whine about which version you don't like yeah just like, move on <laughs> not even move on talk about the one you like yeah why, why is it... what is what is the one that you don't like taking away from the one that you do like right that's exactly it i mean look i could go on a major hate-filled diatribe about titans and how mm -hmm. they they neglect batman and then get met with a ton of arguments of, oh, well, it's the Teen Titans. Batman's not necessarily a character. And then I can go pull out any one of my Teen Titans books, yeah. <laughs> flip through the pages, and go, oh, look, who is it? Batman. Right. How about that? But that's besides the point. I don't talk about Titans that much. Maybe if I'm joking about it, sure. But yeah. if, on, on the whole, I try not to. Why? Because that show just doesn't do it for me. It mm -hmm. really doesn't. I don't think the writing on it's particularly strong, and I think the strongest thing about it, truthfully, is the costume department. It has great costume work. There's no denying that, except for Scarecrow. He didn't have a costume, so it was worthless. <laughs> B besides the point, right? Like, that that's just it. There is Batman across multiple mediums. Even if he has a bald spot and no suit to wear, still Batman. I and Glenn and Titans. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, seriously, like, look, there's even the new show coming out, Gotham Knights, right? Like, they're, they're, they're going to explore the idea of, like, Batman dying and, like, yeah. how his adopted child is going to deal with those consequences, et cetera, et cetera, right? And I'm like, oh. The daughter of the Joker. <laughs> this, this, this really is kind of Gotham Knights the video game, more Ooh, or less. Like because they did just announce that Lincoln March and the, they just announced castings for Lincoln March and someone to play Lincoln March's wife in Gotham Knights. And I'm like, oh, wow. Oh, so, really? I yeah. didn't know that. Oh, yeah. I don't I don't have it in front of me, so I can't tell you who exactly. But yeah, they announced that Lincoln March is going to be in Gotham Knights. And I'm scratching my head like he was in Scott Snyder's Court of Owls stuff. <laughs> Court of Owls are in Gotham Knights video game. 
Yep. If the Court of Owls are going to be in Gotham Knights, the TV show, I'm just going to, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I just don't know. <laughs> but like, again, like there are so many different versions of Batman. You could literally make the same argument for like Superman or Spider-Man as well. Like pick one. Yeah. And if that's yours, that's yours. Right. Like the, the funny thing that I love seeing batman the animated series fans is like 50 percent of those fans are like yeah but i don't like batman beyond i'm like i don't get that i I, exactly i don't get it either i don't how can you look at that and then go eh no it's made by the same people who did batman the animated series but okay sure well, I mean, to lead into that, I guess one of the other things I was going to say I'm thankful for that Batman has given me, he gave me Terry McGinnis. And there you go. You know, when I was younger, I again, I've made no no hiding about it. I absolutely love Batman, the animated series. I remember I stayed the night at a friend's house and uh, the next morning was the premiere of Batman Beyond. We got up super early we made sure we were ready we turned that tv on and we watched that first episode of batman beyond and i was hooked just this fact that i you know when did that show come out what was that 1999 99 so i was 14 i was seven oh geez um show our ages there folks don't (laughs) worry uh but for me to finally see this younger version of batman but not only is he like, he, you know, I get to watch his journey as he comes to grips with being the new Batman. But he's got <laughs> the Conroy Batman with him as his basically his Yoda, basically yeah. teaching him the ways of Batman. I was so enthralled with that idea because, I mean, what kid when you're growing up and you're you're a Batman fan, you're like, I want to be Batman someday. And I'm watching this show where this high schooler gets to become Batman. What could be more enticing than that fact, right? I mean, yeah. me being a little bit younger, I remember clear as day watching that premiere because it happened right around my birthday. Like it was yeah. in January of 1999 when that show debuted, right? So I, I distinctly remember the first part of rebirth right like it it was it was just such a you know it was such a drastic departure of like what i had been used to because obviously you know there's batman there's robin there's nightwing there's batgirl there's his rogues gallery right but then Uh you thrust it forward like 40 years into the future what does gotham city look like what what's happened to batman what's happened to the city right and then i think it's in the joyride episode that they kind of hover over an open crevice where Arkham used to be, and you literally see the remains of the Joker. And I was like, oh, well, that, yeah. ex- that explains what happened to him, right? But, you know, going back to the, the very first episode, right? Like, or even the two-parter, like, you, 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 I was just, I, I loved it. I was in love. Like, yeah. I wanted all the toys. I wanted to have Ace, the Bat Hound. Like, I yep. wanted that suit. Hell, my mom even made me a Batman Beyond costume that me and my brother was Robin and I was Batman Beyond. I was like seven or eight years old. And it was one of the coolest things ever. I mean, back then it was, I was just floored of the fact that they made a Batman suit without a cape that looks absolutely badass. Right. Exactly. 
And I feel like our, our logo is kind of the inverse of that because the logo's red yeah. and the all suits black and our logo's black and the logos are font is red. You all get what I'm getting at. And I mean, to the show's credit too, you know, yes, occasionally they threw in, you know, some of the villains from, you know, Batman's constant rogues gallery. The show had a good amount of its own unique villains, the terrific trio, uh who else ink uh blight i blight was such a badass villain i loved blight blight was cool uh who else was there shriek i remember shriek shriek ink uh spellbinder there's also you know three different factions of the jokers mr freeze made a reprisal you had um bane clones using like sticker slappers with venom yeah. in them yeah there were there were a fair oh, few oh and Batman Beyond introduced me because, again, I read comics here and there, but Batman Beyond introduced me to the Royal Flesh Gang. Oh, see, yeah, the Royal Flesh Gang, yeah. I didn't even know what the Royal Flesh Flesh Gang was until Batman Beyond. And that, you know, I think that was probably the first time I was ever introduced to them as well. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, I mean, that... I don't know how people can like love Batman the animated series, but then look at Batman Beyond and be like, eh, or yeah. scoff at it. I'm like, I don't get it, but all right, sure. Whatever floats your boat there, champ. And it gave us a very underrated film too, Batman Beyond Return of the Joker. Oh, Batman Beyond Return of the Joker is hands down one of, if not in the top 10 of Batman animated movies. It's period. probably in my top five, if I had to guess. Oh, it's absolutely more than likely in my top five, maybe even my top three. Yeah, I might have to agree with that. Like even looking at, even just thinking about some of the, some of the animated Batman movies, yeah, it it very well might be somewhere in my top five, if not my top three somewhere. And that that movie too further proved how much I liked Terry McGinnis as a character because towards the end he does something that even Batman was never able to do get under the joker's skin and make him angry right when he started laughing and making fun of the joker and you know oh wow you used to you were batman's biggest threat man why and the more the more he made fun of him the angrier the joker got he goes let me get this straight so you fall in a bat of acid and decide to become a supervillain. what (laughs) you couldn't get a job working as a rodeo clown yeah (laughs) yeah Oh, man. And that movie is just full of all sorts of just dark twists, too. Oh, like, yeah. The, probably one of the darkest things I've ever seen in terms of Batman lore. Right. Well, I think that was also, like, one of one of the fun ideas that I think they had in their back pocket for Batman Beyond was, you know, Bruce Wayne and Terry McGinnis, and they're going through Gotham City, and he's dealing with all these different villains or whatever. But then people would ask, you know, if they saw Mr. Freeze, right? They saw Bane. You know, I think there's even mention of, like, Mad Hatter rotting in Neo Arkham somewhere in there, maybe. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Or, like, yeah, anyway. Or even, like, the two, the two like, uh, assassin, like, you know, mercenary characters. Like, there's the Stalker and then there's Kirare. Like, those were pretty cool villains, too. But then, you know, you also got the episode where they got to meet Rachel Ghoul again, but it was really Talia, and Bruce went into the Lazarus pit and got younger, and you got to see him in his prime. Like, that was cool. But the fact that they had 
Joker. Like, that was the big question I think I remember hearing a lot on the schoolyard was like, well, what happened to the Joker? What happened to the Joker? Mm-hmm. And then me, being the dorky kid that I was, I was like, what? You don't remember the episode where the thing flies over the crevice and you see the body with the skeleton and the flower and the purple suit? And they were like, oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And I'm just like, how did he die? Yeah. Oh, we get to see how he died. Oh, and it was brutal. Yeah. And I think overall, I think the number one thing that I appreciated the most about the character Terry McGinnis throughout that show, and I think that's why I'm so thankful for the character, is he's kind of the antithesis to what people always make fun of Batman for. You know, always this brooding emo boy who can't get over the fact that his parents died. Terry McGinnis, you know, his father dies, and he does have to overcome that, but in a very different way, very opposite of Bruce, he, to me, it seems, he does overcome it, and he does move past that trauma. And it does allow him, while he still deals with it, you know, he is still hurt by it, he doesn't let it consume him like Bruce did. And it was very refreshing to watch this character who went through something similar as Bruce, but was able to move past it. Well, I think, you know, to your point, he's also not like Bruce in many ways. He's got a bit of a smart mouth, right? Like yeah. he, he's younger. He's more spry. He's not, you know, haunted by the death of his father by any stretch of the imagination. It certainly drives him. Yeah. But also, a lot of people tend to forget that Terry McGinnis was, like, almost a borderline criminal. Like, he was yeah. in juvenile hall mm-hmm. for a little while, right? Yeah. So, it's it's just interesting to me that, that Bruce Wayne would take in somebody like that and hand over the mantle of Batman to them. Yeah. Which, um, speaking of taking people in under his wing i think that (laughs) that that kind of dovetails into another one of mine and that is just overall the 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 bat family proper right like you've got alfred dick grayson nightwing the first robin you have the other robins you know you have jason todd you have tim drake you have stephanie brown carrie kelly you have damian wayne um batgirl played or portrayed by barbara gordon cassie canes again also stephanie brown like there's just and even now, you even get even further into it with more modern comics. You've got like characters like Harper Row, you've got like Duke Thomas, you've got. Pff, I feel like I'm missing like one or two. Or even like, you know, Jace Fox, who's become his own version of Batman, which I. It was so funny wor- briefly working at a comic book store and having one of my managers be like, Jace Fox isn't Batman. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, yeah, that's how you feel. Got it, Chief. But no, like I, I, I genuinely like seeing the Bat family get fleshed out as it is. I mean, you could even probably argue that Harley Quinn, and Poison Ivy, Catwoman might even fall into that category in some lesser extent, too. Yeah, I would say. But I just, just the idea that, you know, Bruce Wayne started out his whole mission by being this broken man driven by vengeance and justice, and now he's he who just didn't at all allow himself to like or love much of anything once dick grayson came into the picture and alfred kind of being that guiding hand it it really does alter his perspective on what it means to have a family i mean so much so that it becomes one of the things that almost ends him with the uh the death in the family storyline 
right. where the Joker uses that family unit to break Batman, essentially. Now, are you talking the when Jason Todd died, or are you talking about... The uh, death of the family. I, I really hate how they worded those freaking storylines. Yeah, it's, it's a little confusing. <laughs> but I mean, you know... It's true because that that is essentially a weakness for Batman, mm-hmm. right? Like, is his mortality, and not only that, but also the family unit that he he brings in, right? Like, yeah, you know, some of the some of the darkest times in his history are, are when Barbara Gordon gets shot and paralyzed, and then of course when Jason Todd gets murdered, and then even you know ten years ago next year, like they killed Damian Wayne in Batman yeah. Incorporated, like like they they legit killed Damian. Grant Morrison did, and it was just, it was kind of a shock to a lot of people. Hmm. But, I feel like, oh yeah, they also killed Alfred recently too, in the comics. Oh, really? Yeah, in Tom King's run, like, Bane snaps Alfred's neck in front of Damien. Oh, Jesus. It, dude, it's it's brutal. It's gnarly. Like, that's just what I remember reading Cliff Notes from, but yeah. Um, Bane's like, I broke the bat, and now i broke his butler pretty much <laughs> but yeah i mean just all these characters like nightwing is a huge favorite of mine like i love the nightwing run from tom taylor and even chuck dixon like i think those are two probably the most incredible runs that have happened in comics in a while yeah well chuck dixon's more late 90s and tom taylor is more present but like i feel like if i had to pick a favorite batgirl I mean, Barbara Gordon's an easy choice. She's been the staple Batgirl for the longest time. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's... For me, I mean, I'm a little bit more familiar with Stephanie Brown because a lot of the comics that I read, she was Batgirl in. But then again, a lot of the comics that I've read are just pretty off the beaten path in, in terms of continuity and in terms of where Batman is and other circumstances. But yeah, like... And, and even to kind of get into the, the... Quote, the Robin debate... Um, I feel like if I had to pick a favorite Robin, it's without a question, Tim Drake. Yeah, I think I would have to go with Tim Drake as well. And that's not a knock at all to Dick Grayson, but it's like, no. you know, to me, you know, he's not Robin anymore. He's he's yeah, Nightwing. He's like Nightwing. That, that, yeah, that, exactly. That's just kind of how I perceive the character. And I feel like, personally, just, just the, the, the best one, the best one suited to be Robin is without a doubt Tim Drake. Like, Jason Todd had the mantle, he abused it, he died, he comes back as Red Hood, and now he yeah. dishes out his vengeance that way. Um, you could make an argument that Damian Wayne is, quote, in the in the right to take up the mantle because he is the only one of them who is, in fact, the son of Bruce Wayne. Yeah. But even still, like, I, I think if there were... If you had, if I, if me personally, I, I always just go back to Tim because Tim is the one who brought Bruce back from the brink of despair after Jason died. Yeah. He was the one who made it clear that Batman needed a Robin. And I think that, that, that in and of itself is just a very poignant fact. Yeah, definitely agree. But yeah, that's, that's mine. That's another one of mine. Um, so another one, I'm gone. I'm down to my last two. Um, it's interesting that you said earlier you didn't really have anything music related. And uh, so I'm going to mention mine that, again, this is just heavily influenced throughout my childhood. 
I gotta give thanks to Danny Elfman for the music that he contributed to the Batman films. I mean, that's just, that's a theme that plays in my head all the time. When I think of Batman, I think of the Danny, oh, I hear that theme in my head. That's understandable, yeah. You can definitely see throughout the years, everyone has thrown their own kind of takes on, you know, music for Batman, but I think just about every single one of them they are influenced in some way by Elfman's soundtrack. In a post-1989 world, yes. I would say there are hints of it in in Zimmer's score for The Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily hear it in um, the BVS score or even Zack Snyder's Justice League. I think that's a little bit more fine-tuned to Affleck and Snyder's taste. Yeah. Um, I, I, you could probably make... I, there may be just whispers of it in Giacchino's theme for the I do, Batman. I, I do hear a little bit of it, yeah. But I, I think just the overall sentiment that, that Elfman's musical taste in regards to Batman has been influenced since then, yeah. I mean, Shirley Walker absolutely based her score off mm-hmm. the Elfman stuff. There's no doubt about that. I mean, I, I can't really disagree, but at the same time, there there every time I hear Danny Elfman and I think of the Batman theme now, I just go back to that one idiotic comment he made about in regards to Justice League when he was brought on to do the theatrical cut of it. Well, there's only one Batman theme. I'm just like, ah, shut up. Nah, see, that says he's a little too much fool. It's 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 a little pretentious. It's <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. It's a little pretentious because it's like you know, Hans Zimmer's right there, dude, and he did yeah. a whole trilogy. Yeah. And it's also a little disingenuous of what Elliot Goldenthal did in, in Returns, or not, sorry, uh, in Forever and, and Batman and Robin. Like, I, I actually kind of like oh, there's Batman. that that those movies have great music. I I don't hate them at all. I think yeah, they're no, they're I love the music. Really good music in those. Yeah, I like. I I really do kind of like what Elliot Goldenthal did with Batman Forever score. I, I it's it's catchy. Yeah, it is. But you know, there are Batman snobs out there who's Elliot Goldenthal doesn't know what he's talking about. The soundtrack to those films are great. Kiss from a Rose Seal. Yep, <laughs> it's not, that's not necessarily on on the score, but it's part of that soundtrack, and it's awesome. But yeah, I mean, you know, there's there's been a lot of wild musical influences. I mean, even just one that came into my mind was like the the Batman Brave and the Bold musical stuff that came along with that. It so was. See, the, I have never, I have never watched Brave and the Bold. I, so I need to get around to watching that. When you watch Brave and the Bold, pay very close attention to the opening thematics and, and musical cues of that. It's very silver the whole show really, but it's it's all very silver age. Oh yeah, I can definitely I can tell that just from like clips and like animation stills that I've seen of it. It's very again, silver age. Diedrich Bader voices Batman. Uh they have a large voice cast. It's basically like as the title implies, like Batman Brave and the Bold. It's basically who's Batman teaming up with this, this week as opposed to, like, Villain of the Week, it's like, no, who's Batman teaming up with this week? And I think, like, the first episode is Blue Beetle. Oh, nice. But, you know, he teams up with, like, Green Arrow. He teams up with, like, uh, shit, I th- Superman. I think Plastic Man is in there, Plastic isn't he? Man is, too, yeah. Um, 
and yeah, they're, they're, the best way I can really really summarize it is 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 it's it's Batman teaming up with Aquaman. Aquaman's in it too. Come to think of it, I think they even do like Justice League International. Like they do the full lineup of Justice League International at some point, but mm. I I'm I don't really remember. But I, I, he also does team up with Guy Gardner once too, once or twice, maybe a couple times. Yeah, hmm. that sounds about right. I think Booster Gold's in it too. Maybe. I don't know. It's been a while since I've watched Brave and the Bold. But I do like Brave and the Bold. Speaking of Brave and the Bold, my second to last one is actually just going to be just a big fat thank you to people who've worked on Batman. And they were, these were just names that I had just written down. Uh, obviously, uh, Neil Adams and Denny O'Neill rest in peace both of them but they were the ones who essentially brought batman back to his detective roots after mm-hmm. all the goofy silver age stuff so and you know meeting neil adams getting to ask him about like rachel ghoul and a couple other things was actually one of the most prominent points of my nerd nerd life like i love well, that you think of you know so many comic book covers that i can think of from back then that just really stick out especially from their from neil adams too yes like you know there are other writers like i just named a few of mine like tom taylor scott snyder grant morrison chuck dixon and then of course a couple artists you know you've got greg pulo norm brayfogle jim lee um david kelly no i'm probably i might have that wrong but there, there are a ton. Like, even Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale have done some amazing work on Batman. Um, Jim Aparo and Jim Starlin, you know, famously for, for Death of death in the Family. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, th- there's just so many that I, these were just the ones that, that came top of my head immediately. Or even, like, like Michael Janine and Tom King. Like, Tom King's run on Batman wasn't exactly for everybody. But I still think that they had a really unique style to what they did in, in the short amount of time that they were on Batman or even like, um, damn, I can't even, Oh, you know, going back to Jim Aparo, Mike Barr, you know, when he did Batman and the outsiders, that was also a fun run too, which I do own. It's an entirety, but not in comic single issue form. I own it in graphic novel trade form, but that that's a fun run too. Batman and the outsiders. I remember you mentioning that. I think that was last episode you mentioned Batman and the Outsiders. Essentially, like, Batman gets sick and tired of the Justice League only operating on, like, superficial government type of, you know, yes-no. Like, he gets kind of sick of it, so he decides to form his own team called the Outsiders. And it consists of Black Lightning, Metamorpho, Geoforce, Halo. Basically, everyone from Young Justice that you saw in the Outsiders was his team in the book way back when. Oh, wow. It's, It's actually a pretty solid book. I enjoy it quite a bit. Um, but yeah, you know, Chuck Dixon also had a good run on Batman too. Like he was part of the the brain trust for the whole Nightfall story and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, like, like when I started reading comics and obviously Frank Miller too, like yeah. I would, I would just pick out if I saw a Batman book, I'd look at it, flip through it and be like, okay, cool. This is it. And the, yeah. I, beca- I became really familiar with a lot of these names because of it. And it really, it, ironically enough, it starts with a comic, a Batman comic. The very first Batman book I ever purchased was Batman Cacophony by Kevin Smith and Walt Flanagan. 
Mm, I never even heard of that one. Yeah, Kevin Smith had a run on Batman. He has two books. Oh, wow. He has Batman Cacophony, three-issue miniseries. Excuse me. With Walt Flanagan doing art on both, if I'm not mistaken. Walt Flanagan's the guy in his in Kevin Smith's movies that goes, Yeah, tell him, Steve, Dave. <laughs> That's Walt Flanagan. He's, he's actually a pretty solid artist. But yeah, the second book, I believe, is called Batman the Widening Gyre. G-Y-R-E. And for some reason, other nerds on the internet, they despise this run on Batman. Hmm. It's it's really awkward, and it's usually pointed at one thing. Kevin Smith made Batman wet himself. He's, he doesn't understand Batman. Oh, like, boy. oh for goodness sakes. <laughs> it's, it's, it's some of the dumbest nitpicky nerd shit I've ever heard. No joke, no lie. Yeah, I'm looking at. I actually, I looked it up. I'm looking at the some of the art. This is really impressive. Oh, dude, those covers are bad. I don't know if Walt did the covers or not, but they're badass. Like the book itself is pretty badass. Uh, it says a uh, cover of Batman Cacophony number one was by Adam Kubert. That's yep. That's who it was. Yeah. But it does say yeah that the um, artist was Walt Flanagan on the book initially. Yeah, and in, in yeah. the interiors, yeah, it's Walt Flanagan. Yeah, that's a fun book. He actually brought over the villain he created for his Green Arrow run called Onomatopoeia, who only speaks in sounds of the noises of the weapons that he's going to use to kill vigilantes. He's a pure vigilante counter and killer. Oh, that's interesting. I've never even heard of that. It's pretty intense. And he was introduced in Kevin Smith's Green Arrow run, and then he brought that character over to his Batman run. Huh. Yeah. Pretty wild pretty wild and to get my last one out of the way because it kind of segues into it yeah um batman dc related podcasts you know i when i was just getting into college i had had my ipod my little ipod nano i was kind of you know i used it mainly for music but at the same time i was like well what's a what is a podcast (laughs) right like what what does it mean to podcast and then one of my friends broke it down for me and i was like shit sounds like something i'd be into so i started listening to podcasts one of the first podcasts i ever listened to was fat man on batman (laughs) right like and that for the longest time was like the 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 hub of just knowledge of like people who had worked on batman before they would come on kevin smith's show and they'd just shoot the shit about how they got where they were and then how they got to batman and it was like some of the most intricate knowledge you could find like he's had bruce tim on there he had grant morrison on there he had just ton of different people who've worked on batman and in, in many different variants or forms and it was just this 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 wealth of knowledge that you could just plug into your ears and listen to you know once or twice a week or once or twice a month and it's just i don't know like i, I unfortunately i don't listen to it anymore once mark bernardin became his co-host and just kind of once that happened it really kind of turned me off to the show and it sucks to say that because i love kevin smith i think he's one of the most talented filmmakers of our time and i think he's just one of the biggest fanboys you could ever talk to or have fun with but <laughs> i don't know there's just some stuff about mark bernard and the way he talks about stuff that i'm just like eh, i don't really like listening to you talk so <laughs> i i don't really listen to that show anymore but you know another show that i would recommend would have to be the the squad cast media people um more specifically like you know tim and scott who run dc Squadcast, and of course their respective other squad cast media mates 
like uh, Ray Smith, Brent, Chris, and Jordan. Like that that whole crew is just nothing but nice dudes, all really big Batman fans, just down to earth guys who love talking about Batman, love talking about DC, just wonderful dudes just absolutely spectacular guys with really level-headed insight on all things dc and really just really awesome batman fans in their own right like i i adore being a patron to the Squadcast media i really like the kind of output that they do and the you know content that they produce and the things that they talk about and just the wide variety of things that they have talked about and you know these are especially tim and scott like these are some pretty how to, how to say this nicely without sounding super pretentious about it. They are <laughs> probably some of the best representations of what it means to be an honest fan on the internet. Just okay. really, really, yeah. really, 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 yeah. really, really awesome dudes. I've talked to them once or twice. They're just, I talk to Scott more often than not. Well, not super often, but we, we, we've chatted here and there. He's just a really down to earth dude, really nice guy. And then, just you know that whole network of dudes like i just said like they're all just really really awesome super funny in some senses uh but yeah they're they're all really great dudes and i i i wouldn't be podcasting if not for what they have done i mean i listened i i found out about them from another podcast that i used to listen to that i don't longer listen to for certain reasons but really like you know if you want a good example of what it means to be a positive presence in a podcasting world i would definitely recommend listening to dc squadcast and squadcast media and then last nice. the last one i have is i i've given i gave them a shout out it was either the last episode or episode before no it was the last episode brand new podcast batshit podcast yeah bat my, yep yeah you mentioned that last it's, uh, it's, last episode there are only a few episodes in but 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 reyna and madison just have this this just beautiful chemistry they're super big Batman fans like you and I are, and that you can just tell with with every episode of the four or five that they've done so far. It just you you just feel the passion that 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 exudes from from their episodes, and I just really love their name. Like that is just almost yeah. too perfect. Batshit podcast. <laughs> That's awesome. Indeed, indubitably. So for my final thing that I'm thankful for, kind of does tie in a little bit in terms of like audio. And I'm just talking like something that you just hear all the time. If there's one thing that I'm thankful that Batman in its entirety has given me, it is the number one Joker voice of all time. And Mr. Mark Hamill. I really should have expected that. Yep. <laughs> I really should have expected that. The I mean... My kid brain was blown when I found out that Luke Skywalker was the voice of the Joker in my favorite animated series. It just, I couldn't comprehend it back then. Because, you know, we the internet was kind of just starting to become a thing. You know, it was starting to be like something where you could walk into a friend's house and they'd have a computer and the internet. But I just remember it was one of those kind of like almost like schoolyard things. Oh, hey, did you did you know that uh, Luke Skywalker's the voice of the Joker? Ah, uh, no, that can't be true. That can't be true. And then you look at the credits and you go, oh, my God, Luke Skywalker is the voice of the Joker. I don't remember when I found that out specifically. I mean, it's it's been man. I just remember Mark Hamill, 
you know, obviously as Luke Skywalker, but mm-hmm. never did it occur to me. It, it was at least until like middle school is probably when I found out that Mark Hamill voiced the Joker. It, would, it had to have been middle school or high school is when, when that occurred to me. But I mean, yeah, they talk about one of the most, if not the most iconic voices in Batman's rogues gallery of across of all mediums. Like Mark Hamill takes the cake as Joker. And I was like, there will never be a better laugh. No. I, there will never be a Joker laugh that can top Mark Hamill's Joker. And the reason why I mention this is, um, as some uh, who, anybody that knows me knows that I worked for GameStop for about 10 years in management. Yeah. And um, when I got promoted to store manager, I got to go to my first uh, GameStop managers conference. Rub it in. Uh, where, they, yeah, <laughs> where they flew us out to Vegas and we got to spend a couple of days, kind of basically like a GameStop E3 essentially, where we yeah. basically just got presented stuff from the major publishers. Well, my very first year going, it was the year that um, uh, Batman Arkham City was coming out. And I'll never forget this for as long as I live. I still have the photo saved uh, on my Facebook. I remember, so they're on stage, and the guy from who's representing Warner Brothers is talking about, oh, yeah, this game's going to be amazing. We have all this great voice talent. Da-da-da-da-da, going through the motions. He shows us a clip of gameplay, and he's like, there's somebody very special here who wants to talk to you guys. The 89 Batmobile drives on the stage. Oh, wow. And the door opens and Mark Hamill steps out of it. Wow. And he looks out at us and he, you know, he talks for a little bit about how much the character means to him about, you know, he never thought after all this time that he would still be the voice of the Joker. And he didn't anticipate that this, you know, this voice role would make such an impact and all this stuff. And of course, he ends it with the Joker laugh. Mm. And I got this picture of him rearing his head back with his arms in the air doing the joker laugh with a photo of the joker next to him oh wow and it is just one of the best moments i i i mean it was just a 100 percent fanboy moment i lost my mind yeah rub it in just keep <laughs> rubbing it in. no i'm yeah. kidding that's that's epic that's that's something i think you don't you don't get to just redo over you don't get the chance to it's a once in a lifetime deal right like i i i distinctly remember when that game came out i wasn't Mm -hmm. working at gamestop at the time i was actually trying to make seasonal at the store uh just down the road from you actually yeah and i i remember being at the midnight launch for for arkham city i remember it being pretty packed um there was uh i think there was like a raffle or something i don't know but yeah, my store, we played uh, Batman 89 on the TVs while we waited. <laughs> nice. I think my manager at the time, he he actually took the time to take the, um, the display PlayStation 3, and he took whatever disc was in it out. And he put, and put in, the game in. Yeah, he put in Arkham yeah. City. Like yeah. he dem- he demoed Arkham City for for everyone who wanted to play it. And since yeah. I was there first, I'd got I'd gotten there. At like, shit, it was like a Thursday or maybe a Monday. I don't really remember, but it was like super, super early. It was like four o'clock and the game didn't come out. This was back in the day when midnights were still a thing. You had to wait until 1201 to get your mm-hmm. game. Right. Yep. And, and, and it, I'd gotten there at like five, the four or five, maybe six. I don't know. So there were, there was quite a bit of time and I, I had my skateboard. I was kind of going around everywhere, just um, 
getting food and like just hanging out and talking to people. And then about eight o'clock, uh, right before you got lines getting all squared away, I was first in line, obviously, but <laughs> even still like, you know, uh, my manager put in the game. Right. And, and, and I just remember and it, it, since the PlayStation wasn't hooked up to the internet, there was no way you could do any kind of updates and there wasn't going to do any patches or anything like that. So I, we were playing the game raw. So that said, when I was doing like the first combat mission outside of the courthouse, there were, there was kind of a glitch. Like you could see <laughs> Batman's face, like you tear the screen a little bit. And I was like, Oh, great. It's glitching. <laughs> awesome. And, and, and I think Darren had to like reset the PlayStation a couple different times just to keep the glitch from screwing everything up. But yeah, that was, that was interesting. Yeah. It's just, it's amazing that one voice has maintained a character for so long. I mean, it's just one of those things. Like when I read a Batman comic, if the Joker's in it, I hear Mark Hamill's Joker. Right. It's just, it is just synonymous with the character, and I don't think it'll ever change. I mean, and, you know, we mentioned Michael Emerson earlier as, as the voice, you know, completely yeah. underrated, right? Like, there, it's not like there haven't been other versions yeah. of the Joker. There, there are, are other great ones. But Mark Hamill wears the crown. Yeah. There's, there's really no question about that. Like, Mark Hamill wears the crown when it comes to voicing the Joker, much in the same way I would say probably Kevin Conroy wears the crown when it comes to voicing yeah. Batman. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And you had one more after that, didn't you? Uh, no, that was my last one. Okay. Then, yeah, I, I, I think that kind of puts a pin in it for us. That that was, yeah. yeah, That these are these are the things that we are thankful for when it comes to Batman. Absolutely. But, you know, it's, it's coming right around time for Thanksgiving here yeah. in a couple weeks. And so we just wanted to get, share these thoughts with all of you lovely listeners out there, you know spend time with your family make a friendsgiving you know take take the time to let your loved ones know that you're thankful and you care like we are for batman and his family you know what i mean yeah i mean right after thanksgiving i'll be getting one year older oh that's right yeah yeah true 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 and so you shall uh, <laughs> never use life bait to trap a bat ah <laughs> boom there it is <laughs> Oh, I love making Batman Forever jokes in the show. <laughs> but, you know, if if anyone would like to share anything they're thankful for in regards to Batman, by all means, you know, you can share it with us on Twitter or Instagram, T-E-K underscore podcast. You can also leave us an email, eternalnightpod at gmail.com. Feel free to leave us an email there. Tell us what you think. Tell us how you feel. Tell us how thankful you are. I don't know. Really up to you. If you want to, it's always just nice hearing from fans if they want to chime in. Not that we have gotten any emails, but maybe that's my fault for not promoting the podcast too much. <laughs> I don't know. But hey, you know, if, if anyone out there listening wants to share with us how they feel, by all means, we'll hope if we, if we find the time, we'll read it on the show. But I think, again, you know, this is kind of where we're going to put a pin in it. Yep. Um, also, feel free to leave us a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, Podbean stitcher outcast whatever your cake whatever your podcatcher is we'd really appreciate it um but yeah craig any last thoughts any last words before we take off for the night uh no i'm just gonna go a little schmoozy here and just say another thing i'm thankful for with batman is it gave us this show there you go right 
Like yeah. the, it had always been the plan to do yeah. a Batman podcast. We've been trying for years. Like 2016, I think. Yeah, I think that's right around when we first started talking about it. I think so. So, and then we did. We started it last year. Yep. Last year, last July, year. July of last year, if I remember. July right. of 2021. That's right. So we're about a year and a half. But yeah, you know that's a good point. Like this show would not happen without Batman, and I'm thankful it happens because I get to talk to you for you know hour or two every now and again. It's pretty effing fun. Yes, sir. But uh, since Craig's still on his social cleanse, and considering I'm more than likely probably going to leave Twitter very soon. Yeah, I, 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 don't was, know. I was just about to say one thing I'm thankful for is that I'm not on Twitter anymore. <laughs> don't just, you know what? Just don't go back. I'm just going to let you know right I'm now. Not, I don't. have no plans to. I am thinking about making a Mastodon though. I have, so I've been, I've heard that that's like the alternative that people are going to. It, yeah, it's looking that way. And I, I might just go that way. I might not, I don't know. Um, but if anyone wants to follow me, twitter vero instagram <laughs> also um is there one follow more? him on twitter so that he can share his mastodon profile name with you or my the time or, comes or my instagram it'll probably just be the same handle unfiltered u-n-p-h-i-l-t-e-r-e-d-d-d and also feel free to follow the show t-e-k underscore podcast twitter vero or sorry twitter instagram facebook and that is where we are going to take off for the evening into the batmobile as always everybody stay Keep it classy in the cave. Have a great day or night, whatever your listening preference is. Take care, everyone. Have a good night. Day. I I am terrible at this. <laughs> Bruce. No, not now. You are a disgrace. No. No. You are not my father. I am not a disgrace. I am vengeance. I am the night. I am Batman. Thank you for listening to the Eternal Night Podcast. This podcast is not affiliated with Warner Brothers Discovery, DC Entertainment, or anything else related to WBD. Uh, all thoughts shared belong to those involved and not the companies they happen to work for or be talking about. If you would like to follow along the show, you can follow along on Podbean or iTunes. Feel free to drop us an email at eternalnightpod at gmail.com. You can also follow us along on Twitter and Facebook. Just search for T-E-K underscore podcast. Thank you.